and welcome to a very special edition of the Double Double. My name is David Dixon, and joining me once again, Coach Max Sass of the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn and Ohio State football super fan. And we are getting ready to break down the college football playoff. Is it this Saturday, December 28th? We got Oklahoma versus LSU at 4 o'clock on ESPN. And then we got Clemson and Coach Sass's Buckeyes at 8 p.m. on ESPN. It's a great day for ESPN. It's a great day to sit on the couch and watch football. We're, it's, an, it's an honor to have Coach Sass, Buckeyes fan, uh, joining us today to, to break it all down. Coach, how's it going? It's going great, Dave, though I have to say I'm a little confused. You said, uh, do I want to do a college football pod? So I was here to spend an hour talking about UCF's win in the bad boy mowers Gasparilla Bowl. So, you know, now i got to pivot a little bit. Well, uh, you, you know I'm always down to talk about the national champions from, from two years ago, the rightful national champs as they were undefeated. I'm always right. down to talk to talk UCF football. But it's an exciting time. This is always because everyone's home for the holidays. There's college football on all day. It feels like every day. And, yeah, it feels weird. You know, you're watching these companies, bowl games that you've never heard of, and you're wondering how did this company get enough money to sponsor this game? And you're watching a game with, like, no one in the stand. You're like, how does this all work? But then it actually is, like, a really good game a, a lot of times. You're watching fun football. It's so much fun. And I love, like, I was watching the uh, Battle for Atlantis, which Bad Boy Mowers also sponsors you know, a couple weeks ago in college basketball. And I was trying to figure out, like, what's the demographic that bad boy mowers is going after? Cause I think they're trying to go for that, you know, sunny, uh, Florida, Bahamas college sports fan. Maybe they're spot on. I don't know. But maybe there's just a bigger need for mowers than, uh, <laughs> than, than any of us have, have realized, but those games, like you back into like really good games and like different yeah different storylines like Washington crushed Boise State because uh, it's you know, Chris Peterson's last game playing his former school uh, so, so you get games like that Appalachian State beats UAB which is a big win like you know you, as, it, as as we get closer to, to New Year's the games only get better and the programs become more recognizable too agreed I, I love this time of year it's so much fun so jumping ahead to the to the college games that really most people truly care about, unless you are an alum or a fan of a certain school, which is the playoff. So jumping right into it, let's talk about the best matchup, I think, Clemson, the defending national champions against your Ohio State Buckeyes. What was your initial reaction when you saw those two schools, when, when you saw your team get flashed against Clemson and you knew that you have to play the defending champ tigers. I think the PG version was, Oh crap. (laughs) Um, you know, for me, I was really, really hoping that Ohio state was going to get the one seed. I think Oklahoma's really good. Don't get me wrong. None of these teams are bad, but it's, but I just don't think anybody's playing as well as Clemson. I, we talked at the beginning of the year, Dave, on this pod and, we talked about how, hey, Clemson's defense is good, but, you know, Travis Etienne has been okay. Trevor Lawrence and the receivers haven't been hitting their stride. My God, the second half of the season, that offense hit their stride. And you talk about the defense staying uh, solid. Right now they're first in the country, only giving up 10.6 points per game. I mean, 
this Clemson team, I think, is maybe the most talented team in the country. And when they hit their stride, uh, it's it's scary to see. Now, I think Ohio State is actually very much in that same realm in terms of the balance of offense defense uh, that LSU and Oklahoma don't have. But that's why this match was a little bit scary because uh, and don't forget Clemson's also been Ohio State's bogeyman a little bit the past couple years. Thirty-one uh, nothing still haunts fans. Yeah, for sure, and it feels like Clemson too is a little underrated coming into this playoff because it feels like no one really talked about them as much throughout the season. And if you know they didn't have any Heisman finalists when Trevor Lawrence had a great season and Travis. Ed- Etienne had an awesome season. It just felt like they just went about their business and everyone's just like, oh yeah, Clemson is Clemson and they're just doing what we all expected, but they weren't like the talk of the town. They weren't getting the coverage that your Buckeyes or Joe Burrow and LSU or Tua in Alabama, some of the other teams in in this playoff or teams during during the season, it, it felt like we didn't talk about Clemson that, that much. Well, it felt like the one time we did talk about Clemson was when they almost blew the game to North Carolina. And I think a lot of that is you look at Ohio state who has been as good as Clemson, if not better. But the reason people talk about them is because they came out of nowhere. First year starting quarterback, first year head coach taken over for, uh, you know, one of the greatest college football head coaches of all time. LSU on the other hand was not expected to compete for the sec Joe Burrow was coming off, I think, like a 10-touchdown to 8-interception season last year. And it was like, oh, all right, they're fine. And then he comes out and you know has uh, the highest percentage of Heisman points ever. So I think part of the reason is because it's not that Clemson has been not as good as the other two schools, but just compared to their expectations early in the season, they've just jumped out less. Yeah, that's, that's definitely very a pretty fair characterization, but... You know, Trevor Lawrence had obviously Justin Fields had had a great season for Ohio State. Fields was ranked ahead of Lawrence in high school and went to Georgia. And Lawrence went to went to Clemson, but Lawrence still had a fantastic season. He increased his completion percentage. He completed about sixty nine percent of his passes, threw for thirty one hundred yards, thirty four touchdowns, and and eight interceptions. He kind of started a little slow, and I think people because of Joe Burrow's dominance and Tua's excitement. And just how two is just like has so many exciting plays and fields really emerge this year. People kind of forgot about Trevor Lawrence a, a little bit. Right. And Jalen Hurts was setting the world on fire early, too. I, I think the interesting thing about Trevor Lawrence, and I forget where I heard it, was someone was kind of hypothesizing and theorizing that this idea that Dabo knew that the team around Trevor Lawrence last year was good enough to win the national championship if Lawrence was just solid. Yeah, as for a sure. Freshman. But this year, it felt like he kind of had to take the reins off him and let him loose and kind of say, "Okay, Trevor, go win us some games." And I, I you know, I don't have. Um, maybe I can find the game to game breakdown this year. But it felt like a lot of his interceptions were earlier in the year. It felt like, um, you, you know, it felt like they really kind of let him throw uh, a, a lot more passes that were challenging downfield and and kind of Dabo trying to say, "Okay, when we're playing the." Uh, you know, NC states of the world, this is where it's okay to make your mistakes. Go out, let's see what you can do. And uh, I think he really expanded his game. He just 
feels more dangerous than last year. No, you're you're completely correct. Trevor Lawrence has not thrown an interception since the game against Louisville on October on October nineteenth. And since then he has thrown six, nine, thirteen, sixteen. He's thrown twenty touchdowns to zero interceptions. And yeah, it's you know. remarkable and, and now you know, it's not like he's Justin Fields who throws one interception the whole season. Moving on a little bit to to your Buckeyes, because you know this isn't just a Clemson podcast. We got to talk about your <laughs> your Buckeyes. Your Buckeyes had an incredible season. Uh, you guys really just dominated the whole Big Ten from start to finish, and a lot of that was Ryan Day and Justin Fields being a match made in heaven. Yeah, I, I mean, it could not have gone any more perfectly. There were a couple scares late with uh, some ball security issues at Penn State, but you talk about beating a number of top 10 teams by double digits. Uh, this team was masterful, and as good as Justin Fields was and as good as Ryan Day was and J.K. Dobbins, as good as the offensive side of the ball is, David, the biggest defense from de- excuse me, the biggest difference from last year is the defense. I mean, this year, Ohio State is third in the country, giving up only 12.5 points per game. Uh, I mean, and if you look at what they held Penn State to, what they held uh, you know, Michigan to, what they held Wisconsin to, specifically in the second half, this team's defense is unbelievable. And it starts with where it was. Chase Young was the best player in the country this year. There was no uh, doubt in my mind about that, and he is the key to everything. Yeah, and... When you're watching Chase Young, it's okay. Ohio State has kind of been defensive back you or DBU the last few years, and Absolutely. but they've also had great pass rushers because they had the Bosa brothers, and you're kind of used to having okay. Ohio State, just like really any of these other true blue blood programs, will have a couple defensive and offensive players at the top of every draft board. But then you're watching the Bosa's, and you're like, these guys are insane, and. Because because you had Joey first, right, and then Nick, and everyone's like, okay, Nick is better than than, than Joey. And it was like, oh, oh, maybe. And then you watch plays. I go, okay, he's probably a little bit better. And then everyone's like, Chase Young is better than both of them. And you're like, no way. And then he actually is. He's better than than both of them. He, he really is. He's he's unbelievable. And I thought Jeff Hafley, who just took the Boston College head coaching job, and Greg Madison, the co-defensive coordinator for Ohio State this year, did a really nice job of not just putting them down in a three or four point stance uh, on third downs. They would move them around, walk them around a little, kind of bring them off twists and blitzes uh, from a stand-up position. Uh, it really, really made a big difference, especially in that Penn State game uh, and, and the first Wisconsin game. Uh, you know, he had, I think, a combined like six or seven sacks in those games. So he was remarkable, and he just takes so much attention. Like, he, he didn't have a sack in the Big Ten Championship game or the – uh, Michigan game, but if you look at the way they were sliding the line and uh, moving tight ends towards him, he was being triple teamed on almost every play, and he he's just dominant. And when you talk about the Buckeye legacy of defensive ends, the crazy thing to think is Zach Harrison is a true freshman right now. He's a little bit raw, but he was like the number six or seven player in the country in last year's recruiting class. And the number two overall player in the country in the class of 2021, Jack Sawyer is committed to the Buckeyes right now. So it's not like, uh, that, that edge rush spot is going to be, uh, lackluster anytime soon. 
and Chase Young missed a couple games this year. Yeah, when you talk about a guy who set the Ohio State single-season sacks record without maybe the two worst offensive lines, getting to play against the two worst offensive lines they'll face all year, um, that that's even more impressive. You're right. Yeah, I mean, he could have had 19 sacks if, if he played uh, in those games. And, and, you know, for, for comparison, you talk about in, in the NFL, like, the greatest pass dressing seasons in the NFL is when these guys get 20 sacks and they do that in 16 games. Chase Young had 16 and a half sacks in 10 games. Yeah. Yeah. Like just an absurd pace. He was looking at 20 potentially. Um, (laughs) He, 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 they call him the predator and he's an animal. He, he, He is scary. He's a big man and he is scary. I would not want to be the offensive lineman lined up against him. No, and you know my my New York Giants need a lot of help, and our win against uh, the Deadskins this past weekend might not have helped us with the draft. But I've <laughs> definitely watched a lot of game film on Chase on Chase Young, hoping to see him in, in the New York Giants blue. But speaking of Justin Fields, the other Heisman finalist, he had one interception the whole year, and it came in early October against Michigan State. This dude has basically been perfect. He's completed for. He's, he's basically a, a freshman because he did because he played in how many games last year at Georgia? Three. He played in three games and mop up duty. He's completing sixty eight percent of his passes. He's thrown for just about three thousand yards, forty touchdowns, and one interception. While adding while adding ten more on the ground, so he's been responsible <laughs> for fifty touchdowns. Yes, the thing about Justin Fields and and he has been almost flawless. There's been a couple things that have been issues one uh obviously his knee right now he he has a sprained mcl and in his press conference this morning and we're recording this on uh christmas eve the 24th uh tuesday afternoon he said that he only felt about 80 to 85 percent he was hoping he would be a little bit more advanced uh he's not going to wear the big bulky brace he wore against wisconsin but he is going to have to wear a brace on the knee so that's obviously one question mark. Question mark number two, uh, even though he's been unbelievable uh, avoiding interceptions, he has put the ball on the ground a little bit. Um, he, he turned it over a couple times. I mean, the big one against Penn State going into the end zone, um, the big one in their own half against Penn State. So he's a little bit slippery with that ball sometimes in his hands. And the third thing is it just feels like, an you know, Ohio State's offensive line is good, but they're not great uh especially the offensive tackles and just feels like fields holds the ball for a year and a half like it just feels like eras and eons and and he's got to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker and honestly the offensive line just kind of be like all right dude we're tired storylines all over the field i the one guy we didn't mention is uh isaiah simmons for clemson beast of a linebacker uh incredible athlete incredible speed incredible size he is Clemson's Chase Young in the effect of like kind of do it all. The defense kind of revolves around him. Uh, he's a guy who you're talking about the cons- you know the little concerns you have about the Ohio State offensive line. Isaiah Simmons will bring them out. Yeah, and, and it's funny. Well, I don't know if it's funny. It's scary. <laughs> you know, you talk about a guy who you called him a linebacker, and I guess technically he's a linebacker, but. He looks fluid dropping into coverage. He's had two interceptions and six passes defended. 
I, I, he can just line up as an edge rusher with seven sacks, 14 and a half tackles for loss, or he can just be this unbelievable linebacker or safety kind of playing in space. He's a guy who can play almost every position outside of maybe cornerback uh, on this defensive line. And I think Brent Venables is one of the best defensive coordinators in the entire country. I'm shocked he didn't get involved in the Florida State head coaching job. He feels like that felt like it would have been a great fit, you know, in my opinion. And, and that's the guy who can really wreak some havoc. And, uh, I mean, they're just – they're really talented. I mean, just – Isaiah Simmons is, is a beast. I mean, I mean just, just just for context for – so Isaiah Simmons has 93 tackles this year. The next closest player on the Clemson's defense is James Skalski, who had 76. So that's so – that he had, uh, what, that 17 more tackles than, than anyone else. And he's adding the interceptions. He's adding the six sacks as well. And – He's he's a beast, and you know you mentioned Brent Venables. It's Clemson doesn't rebuild on defense; they just reload, and it's incredible to watch. So there's obviously high level athletes, NFL players all over the field. Vegas has Clemson favored by two points, so not a huge spread, but they definitely think Clemson uh, is the favorite in in this one. The one aspect we haven't talked about yet before we give our pick and move on to the next game is the coaches. Dabo's obviously been been in these moments before. He's won these games before. But Ryan Day has a chance to do something that I, that not many coaches have been able to do, which is go undefeated and win a national championship in your first year. How have you felt about Coach Day this season and, and just the coaching matchup in general against Clemson and Dabo? I, I feel good about it. I think Ryan Day is is... I'm not going to tell you he's better than Urban Meyer, but I think Urban Meyer got to a point where he was very comfortable with certain aspects, especially offensively. And Ryan Day really is coming and just kind of innovated. Um, so I just feel like they're going to open it up a little bit more. Um, what does scare me is defensively uh, trying to contain Travis Etienne. Uh, he, he's really a home run hitter. So that one really scares me. But I have total faith in Ryan Day. I like that the matchup is in Arizona and not in um, Atlanta. I think that bodes well for, for Ohio State fans. Um, actually, there, there was a cool story, Dave. The hotel that the Buckeyes are staying in, the general manager of the hotel is, is a guy named um, Jack Miller Sr. And his son, Jack Miller Jr., is like a top 10 quarterback in the country who just signed on National Signing Day a couple days ago uh, in the class of 2020 for Ohio State. Wow. So, small world there. But, uh, I, you know, Ohio State's been good in the Fiesta Bowl before. Obviously, they've not been great against Clemson in, in the bowl games uh, recently. But, you know, someone's got to break the streak. And we talked about this the other day uh, offline. I think I read it in The Athletic that, no number one scene has ever won the college football playoff. Uh, Ohio State's never beaten Clemson. Uh, there's never been a back-to-back national champion. And uh, no Big 12 team has ever won a game in the college football playoff. So something's got to give. One of these teams is going to break that. Yeah, that's, you know, so, something's always going to happen. And it's fun watching history be made as, as we're watching on the sidelines. Coach Day has been awesome this whole year. Uh and I agree with you. I don't think you're at a huge coaching disadvantage. It's not like you, it, that. That's not an area where you guys are at a at a huge disadvantage or loss playing against Clemson. It's just the experience of Dabo. Maybe he knew how to do these practices better. But like Ryan Day, wasn't he the offensive coordinator under 
Urban Meyer, like he's been in these college football playoffs where like he like it's not like he came from, you know, southern Mississippi who's right. never played in the playoff or dealt with the three and a half weeks off and how to practice and how to game plan and how to deal with the adrenaline and the pace of these games because they do go slower. There's a lot more commercials. I think halftime might be a little longer. Uh and just everyone being there. But yeah, there's also a factor of, you know, you gotta settle into a big game. Yeah, you for know, sure. Double A tournament game in Division Three basketball. It's the same thing. You gotta settle into it. But let's give what the people what they want. I think everyone knows who you're gonna pick in this one, but I wanna hear why. I'm nervous. I, I, I'm going the other way. I just don't think I think this Ohio State team is really good and I hope I'm wrong. But I just don't think anybody's been playing better than this Clemson team. Um, I, I see it as like 24-14 Clemson. Uh, I just I just have trouble seeing uh, Ohio State mustering a ton in this game. Again, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But I think Clemson hitting their stride is one of the scariest things to think about. Wow. That was a, that was a shocker. I thought you were going to be pulling for the Buckeyes. The whole I'm way. Pulling, I'm pulling for him, but I just, I look, I don't know. They two weeks ago they were the best team in the country, and then all of a sudden they get dropped from the one seed to the two seed, and, and I and I freak out a little bit. <laughs> but um, you, you know, I, I just, I feel really good about the the Buckeyes, but I just think that I don't know. But they have to show me they can beat Clemson before I can feel confident about it. So I think that the Buckeyes have a very important advantage in this game. And it's with the kickers. These the the kickers are always really important. It's that your kicker, your starting kicker, Blake, I want to say his name, Blake Howbell. Blake Hobbyell. Hobbyell, eighty three for eighty three from extra points this year, and ten for twelve from field goals, including he's made oh that fifty five yarder. He's made a fifty five yarder, and he's three for three from forty to four, from forty to forty nine. So th- that's a guy who can kick, and a Clemson kicker. BT, BT Potter, 74 for 74 from extra points, but only 12 for 19. And he's three for six from 40 to 49. And he's made two 50 yarders as well with his long being 51. So I think you have the advantage in the kicking game. As we see, all that comes back and plays a huge role. You know, what would Nick Saban do if, in, or what would his record look like if, in some of these games if he had, you know, I don't want to say better kickers, but a more reliable kicker. Uh, so, I think that's an interesting advantage, but I agree with you. I think it's hard to go against the Clemson Tigers. I think Trevor Lawrence was made for moments like this. They're hitting their stride, and I think that uh, just you have they have the better quarterback. They have the slightly better coach, and they've been here before. They have so many weapons with Travis Etienne and T. Higgins, and they just got that tight end back who suspended all year after failing a drug test last year before the playoff. Uh, nothing against Ohio State, but I think it'll be really close. I think it's going to be... I think the defense are really good. So, so I'll say 24-21 Clemson and their experience playing a, just that couple more close games the last few years with this group of guys will will pay huge dividends in this one. You know what, Dave? I, I think your reasoning makes sense, but I, I just my emotion just took over my logic because I got angry hearing you say that. So I'm switching the pick. There we go. We're going Ohio State 42 Clemson 27. Wow. A lot of points. A lot of points. We're, we're switching everything. I'm taking it from a defensive Clemson win to an offensive Ohio State win. And I really hope I don't regret that. 
So moving on, the next game, we got LSU-Oklahoma as LSU is favored by 13 and a half points. So almost two touchdown favorites. Uh, what do you see in this matchup? This is the first one of the day. This is at 4 o'clock. Uh, what, what do you see in this matchup? Yeah, I, I think this is an offense versus offense matchup. I think both of these teams' defenses are okay. Obviously, Oklahoma's has improved from last year under Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator. I think LSU's defense kind of stinks, to be honest. Um, obviously, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been really terrific at uh, the running back for LSU lately, but he's got a hamstring injury. So Questionable. Been- Questionable. Yeah, so he's going to be questionable. So that obviously hurts their balance a little bit, but it, it just comes down to Joe Burrow. This is a game where uh, I, I think Joe Burrow could go out and, and no joke throw for 440 yards and six touchdowns, and uh, I, I wouldn't blink. I really wouldn't. Um, uh, his offensive coordinator this year is, I mean, it's turned him into probably the first overall pick in the draft, which is remarkable. Um, I think the Oklahoma team is good. And I think they can score, but I don't think they can score the way this LSU team can. And I think the LSU team, uh, you know, Derek Stingley Jr. is a very good cornerback. I think uh, they'll put him on C.D. Lamb. Um, and I just think they have a little bit more talent on defense. It's not been great, but uh, I, I think it'll get get the win. Um, and I think LSU is actually going to win pretty convincingly. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, I really like Jalen Hurts. and I think Lincoln Riley is a brilliant offensive mind and a brilliant offensive coach. But we're just talking about LSU. It really is the Joe Burrow show. And obviously he wins the Heisman. I thought he had a very good speech. Uh, he yeah, was clearly was. like he's clearly thankful of a lot of people and clearly trying to keep his emotions in check in, in, in a moment where everyone's emotions overtake them. And I, it was not, it was it was nice to see how much it meant to him. On, on that stage talking about coach O and what coach O has meant for him and his family. I thought that was a great moment. And then just what he's done on the football field this year is insane. He's had 4,700 yards. He's completed eight, 78% of his passes, 78% in the sec, which is just absurd, which is a record. I'm pretty certain it which, might be an NCAA record. And 48 touchdowns, six interceptions, while adding three more on the ground. So he's been responsible for 51 touchdowns in the SEC. Um, And just the dude is just – I was listening to Todd McShay talk talk about this. The the jump he took from last year to this year is insane. I I don't know if it's ever happened like that before where one guy with one coach and just with the confidence he – he went from a solid quarterback, but one you never really were worried about, to the best quarterback in the country and the Heisman and the first overall pick. Like I totally agree. With that. I think Burrow will have at least four touchdowns in, in in this game. And what's really opened it up for him is his receivers. Yes, especially Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. I mean. Over 1,200 yards. They have a combined 32 touchdown catches. Terrence Marshall Jr. has another 10 touchdown catches. I mean, those guys should be buying Joe Burrow a a Rolex because their draft stock is going up too because of him. Um, But he should be thanking them as well. Um, They've been unbelievable. Obviously, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming on late as the running back has been very helpful for the balance of that offense. But 
it's kind of surprising, Dave. I think we talked about it a lot at the beginning of the year, and we were, you know, Coach O in that, you know, Bayou, uh, hold that tag. We, you know, we're, we're thinking more, this is going to be a rough-and-tumble, kick-your-butt-in-the-trenches type of team, and they've been, you know, greatest show on turf a la, you know, the old-school Kurt Warner Rams in, in a sort of sense, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're letting Burrow throw the ball down the field. His, his average completion – uh, is just is is basically eleven yards. So he's averaging eleven yards of completion, which is a first down. So every time he throws the ball and completes it, they're getting a first down. That's ridiculous. He's he's just unbelievable. I mean, he, he he's so awesome. And yeah, I and, don't know what else. And, to and then and, and Clyde <laughs> and Clyde Edwards Hilaire on less than two hundred attempts. He has one hundred ninety-seven attempts. Has run for. 1290 yards so he's basically at 1300 yards on fewer than 200 attempts he's averaging six and a half yards a carry 16 touchdowns this year him being questionable is a huge huge factor in this one because he opens up so much of the game for burrow because he basically can just run the ball and get halfway to first downs or first downs and it just is a huge part of just the offense and keeping them and keeping the defense honest and not so doubted on burrow and that opens up the play action and everything and I, don't know. I, it's, I, you, I agree with you, David, because Joe Burrow's their second leading rusher. Yeah. And, and the two guys, Davis Prince and Emery, combined have as many carries as Joe Burrow has this season, which is under half as many carries as Edward Solaire has this season. So they've really leaned on him uh, a lot, a lot to balance out that attack. And he's also important in the passing game as he has, as he's caught 50 passes this, this year as well, which from an NFL perspective really quickly, that makes me like him even more because you need guys in the NFL who can catch passes and run the ball. And you see guys like the Patriots where they are very predictable because when Sonny Michelle's in, they're running. And when Rex Burkhead's in or James White's in, they're throwing. So imagine if they had a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire who could do both. He won't be a day one pick because of his size, but whoever picks him in day two or day three will have definitely a very valuable player. But you know, you just go through this whole LSU offense. You have Jamar Chase, 73 catches, 1,500 yards. Justin Jefferson, 88 catches, 1,200 yards. You mentioned the wide receivers. It's a, Some of it is Burrow, and some of it is them. Like, Burrow puts the ball in spots and says, go make a play, boys, and they and they make all the plays. Jamar Chase, 18 touchdowns. Justin Jefferson, 14 touchdowns. Terrace Marshall Jr., 10 touchdowns. Like, they all just balled out this year. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think the key, you know, I, the offense is not a question mark for me. The question mark is defensively. Like, there's talent there. The issue is just can they contain, you know, Stingley Jr. I think is going to be on C.D. Lamb a lot. And I said yeah. before that I think he can shut him down, and I think he will. But if he goes Devontae Smith on us, like in that Alabama game, you know, that changes everything. True. So you mentioned this LSU defense. Let's talk about the guys in Oklahoma who they're going to have to stop. And it all starts with Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, grad transfer from Alabama. Uh, something that's not being talked about, both quarterbacks in this game are transfers, which I think is really interesting. Three out of four in the uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. And it all starts and stops with Jalen Hurts. And he's had – he was a Heisman finalist. He had another great year in the Lincoln-Riley offense. We all thought it, We all thought it could be like this, and they went out and they proved it. He had – 3,600 yards this year, 32 touchdowns, seven interceptions, while adding eight more, 18 more on the ground and 1,200 more yards on the ground as well. So that's a 
about roughly 4,900 yards total uh, and 50 touchdowns. Don't forget his receiving touchdown and his receiving touchdown. So, so, so that's 51 touchdowns. So he's right there <laughs> with, with Joe Burrow. And, uh, the one concern I have about, uh, Jalen hurts is that he takes a lot of sacks. He had, he took three sacks against Baylor four against Baylor the first time. So you can rush the passer against him. And he has turned the ball over more than any of these other quarterbacks, especially re- recently starting with the Iowa state game. He's gone. The, the only game he didn't have an interception in his last five was against Oklahoma State. Every other game he had one interception. So it makes me a little concerned, especially because how much the turnovers are going to, you know, you give the ball back to Joe Burrow and that, and that offense, it's going to put you in a really, really difficult spot. But this Oklahoma offense is really good. It starts with Jalen Hurst, then you have CeeDee Lamb, and, you know, th- they have weapons too. I agree, and the thing that makes me nervous a little bit, though, is their second leading rusher behind Jalen Hurts is Kennedy Brooks, who has a little bit of a neck injury. He's expected to play, but you just never know when that can come into play. And then their most explosive uh, runner runner is Ramondre Stevenson, who's averaging about eight yards a carry um, this year, but he's facing a likely suspension and probably will not play, along with two other Oklahoma Sooners for this Peach Bowl so if that could really limit them especially if you're going in with the mentality of I trust Lincoln Riley over Ed Orgeron in a shootout here but you know to take a couple bullets out of out of Lincoln Riley's metaphorical gun is potentially a disaster for the Sooner team uh, a huge disaster because they need every weapon they can to to keep up with uh, the LSU offense but CeeDee Lamb had 58 catches this year for 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns. Just on a per-catch basis, that's insane production because we mentioned the the LSU receivers. Like, you know, Justin Jefferson had 14 touchdowns, uh, the same as CeeDee Lamb, but Justin Jefferson had 88 catches to CeeDee Lamb's 58. So it's like what he's doing on a per-catch basis is he's just so explosive. He'll be a definite day-one pick in the NFL draft. I just, you know, there's, I just don't know about this, about this Oklahoma defense. Well, and before we, before we get away from CD lamb, Dave, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, is definitely up there with Jefferson and Jamar chase and, um, T Higgins of Clemson is one of the best wide receivers. Do you worry about the depth of this receiving court? Yes. Uh, Cause I think, you know, Charleston Rambo had 42 catches for them, but it feels to me like one of the freshmen, Jadon Hasselwood, maybe Theo Wees, it feels like one of those guys are going to have to make a big play, and that makes me really nervous. I know they're five-star freshmen. I know they're very, very talented, but I, you know, I just don't know if I can trust those guys. I think what it comes down to is the issue, is the, always the, the issues when Oklahoma plays against these teams. Even though Oklahoma's a blue-blood program, they play in the Power Five, these LSUs and the Clemsons are so much deeper than the Big 12 and the Pac-12 teams where it's, yes, CeeDee Lamb is awesome and their best players can compete with the best players at these other schools, but their third and fourth best players at a certain position can't. Yep. And that's what it always comes down to. And I'm, you know, you described it perfectly. Like, I am concerned about the Oklahoma depth because they're, so Charleston Rambo had 42 catches, and the guy with the next highest number of catches was two guys tied, Lee Morris and Nick 
Basqueen, who both had 18 catches on, on the year. So you got to think LSU is spending all the time during the, the prep period to prep for CeeDee Lamb and Rambo. And these guys are going to, these unheralded guys who no one's heard of and they're not talked about in the way that CeeDee Lamb is, are going to have to make catches. And the same thing in the running game where after Jalen Hurts, it's, it's Kennedy Brooks. Okay. He's banged up. Well, who's the next guy? Who's going to be the guy who can get a big first down in a moment or catch a big screen pass and get those key yards to keep a drive going? You know, those are going to be the plays that are going to matter the most in this game. And when you talk about teams going on these championship runs, it's always the, it's the teams who get help from the whole roster and not just, you know, the superstars are important. You need your superstars to play to play like superstars, but then you also need guys to step up. And there's just more guys on LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State that I feel comfortable about predicting to step up than Oklahoma right, right now. I agree with that. And so I would ask you, who defensively do you feel like needs to step up for Oklahoma? Because the obvious one is Kenneth Murray, who... Leaves them with 95 tackles, 16 for loss. Um, but but who else on that defense do you feel like makes a difference? Yeah, so I think it's all the the defensive backs. I think it's Delarin Turner, Yell, Pat Fields, and just Trey Brown, Parnell Motley. Like the whole defensive backs, Brendan Radley, Hiles, like all their defensive backs, their whole secondary. Because if they can slow down Joe Burrow and get him to turn the ball over once or twice, that could be a huge factor in this game. And the they need to they need to be able to defend the to defend the pass. And I'm really looking at the secondary as the ones who really need to step up in this game defensively. Because yes, you always want their line to do well, but I don't know. It's 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 I, I think it'd be unfair to tell them that that they have to win the line of scrimmage against LSU. Yeah, it would, it would definitely be a challenge. But, you know, they're, they're not a team that has a Chase Young with 16 sacks. But then you look at Ronnie Perkins, Jalen Redmond, and Neville Gallimore, who the three of them on the defensive line have combined for 15 and a half sacks. And then you say, okay, which one of you guys is going to get home against Joe Burrow? Because that, to me, I mean, Burrow is just so, so, so ruthlessly efficient. Um Obviously, you know, this is the old, like, hey, how do you stop the Patriots? Well, sack Tom Brady. Yeah, well, if it was easy to do, everyone would do it. Uh, I don't mean it that way, but I think a lot of it is going to be if they can find a way to collapse the pocket while containing Burrow, um, that's going to give their defensive backs a chance. Because I think once Burrow gets to the edge, again, like I mentioned, he's not super quick, but he is extremely elusive and creative. That's where the defensive backs get screwed because then they're covering for four, five, six, seven seconds, and, and it becomes breaking off roots, and that freelance is where Burrow, uh, part of what won him the Heisman. And and I would look to Oklahoma trying to be very creative in their coverages and their disguises uh, for this game, especially early on, to try to confuse Burrow and try to just get try to force a turnover, force a turnover, and I could see them making trying to take some chances and I. I I would play to try to take some chances early on, but I could definitely see them also play a very contained, like, bend, don't break, keep everything in front. But I don't know if that will work either. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be like a race to 50 points. Yeah. And uh, I think Oklahoma, uh, excuse me, LSU wins it. 
Yeah. So yeah. So we're we're, we're both in agreement on that one. LSU wins. Uh, cool. Very quickly, coaching. You think Lincoln Riley, Coach O? What do you think of, of that matchup? And does that affect? Uh, do you think that will be a big impact on this game? Um, I, I think that's going to have somewhat of an impact on this game. But I think they both kind of know what they do really well. Ed, uh, Coach O has done a good job of handing off the offense to uh, Joe Brady. Lincoln Riley obviously is an absolute genius who might be bound for the Dallas Cowboys. Who the heck knows? Um, I, I, I think that Lincoln Riley has maxed out this Oklahoma team. So I'm not sure if there's a whole lot more for him to pull out of them uh, in this game. And it's got to be tough, too, for Lincoln Riley. It's like every single job that opens up in pro football or college football, I was like, oh, Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley. Right. And then, like, how many times does he have to say, like, him I don't want to leave? Him and Urban Meyer. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to leave. Like, I'm I'm happy in, in Norman. It's it's great. Like, I'm trying to win a national championship. And I was like, yeah, but you really want to go to the Cowboys, right? <laughs> uh, but you know, I think we're in total agreement. I think LSU wins this game very comfortably. I think they win forty-five twenty-one. Uh, it'll be a great intro game to the Clemson LSU battle that that we're both expecting. Uh, but I just think Joe Burrow's too good. I love Coach O. I think this is LSU's year. They're they're the team of destiny. I've been saying it all year that they're the best team, and they're going to go out and improve it. I have LSU fifty-two thirty-one. And unfortunately, I then have LSU losing by uh, two scores in the national championship game to whichever team makes it out of the Fiesta Bowl. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, all right, Coach. Well, thank you so much for for coming on during this holiday season. Uh, Hopefully, if everything goes right and your Buckeyes win on Saturday and they slay the king in Dabo and Trevor Lawrence that maybe we can have you on next week to, to prep for the national championship, which would be your second title in five years of this cultural playoff. Yeah. They won it from the four seed in 2015. That was on the, you know, that, that year was a little bit like this year in the sense that I think a lot of the Ohio state attitude that year was the national championship game was the semifinals against Alabama. Far and away yeah. the hardest they yeah. were going to have to play. And I think that's probably how they feel um, going into this game as well. That as good as LSU is, as good as Oklahoma is, uh, you beat Clemson, that's your de facto national championship game. They're the best team in the country. And also, if you beat Clemson, you know you can beat LSU too. Oh, absolutely. And, and don't forget, if anybody knows Joe Burrow, Ohio State knows Joe Burrow. <laughs> that's true. Well, well, they might have known the old Joe Burrow, but not the new Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah, possibly, possibly. All right, Coach, thanks so much. We're going to enjoy these games this weekend. Uh, Go Buckeyes for you. Go Joe Burrow. Go Tigers. And we're looking forward to checking in with you later on in the season, talk more football, talk talk more hoops. So good luck with everything going forward. Thanks, David. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to everyone. And uh, have an awesome New Year. Thanks, Coach. That will do it for this episode of The Double Double. Everyone take care and make it a great day.